Hey, hi everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond Eight Figures. This is AJ, the journeyman entrepreneur with another Beyond Eight Figure episode for you. On the show, we talk with top entrepreneurs about the realities of building an eight-figure business, what success really means to them, and hear from them about some of their winning strategies and tactics. Tune in to each episode to learn how to grow your business beyond 10 million, and more importantly, create your own personal legacy. Hey everyone, welcome back to Beyond Eight Figures. I have an amazing entrepreneurial journey to talk to you about today. Our guest has done some amazing things. Let's start with the fact that depending on your age, they've probably had a major impact in how you've met your significant other, or at least whoever you're seeing at this point. Today's guest was a founding team member and head of product general manager at Match.com. Anyone who's ever met someone on online dating pretty much has to thank her for this, um, for the good and the bad. After that experience, they went on and joined a not-for-profit after some other experience where they then turned them into a for-profit to greatly expand their mission and trustee, amazing company, and doing so much great stuff around personal identity and our ability to control our information. Now, her latest company is so cool. She started at Match. Obviously, it makes sense. Her current company where she's the CEO and founder is Babyquip. She's been on Shark Tank and they are growing quickly, even in the face of COVID. And, you know, they're helping so many mothers also with their business to grow their own businesses. So this is really cool. Everyone, welcome today, Fran Meyer, the CEO and founder of Babyquip and so much more in her experience. Hello, Fran. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really, really happy you're here today. Thanks so much, AJ. It's always fun. Yeah. I mean, as I was telling the audience just a second ago, you've had such a great experience as an entrepreneur, all the different things. Now to baby quip, where are you on your own entrepreneurial journey now? You know, a few years ago when I left my last startup, TrustArc, at the time it was called Trustee, I didn't think I'd do another one. And then I got kind of itchy. I was advising a bunch of women mostly, some guys, new entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs, seeing what was going on with mobile, with gig economy, with travel, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I just really felt I wanted to get back into the game. And it's funny because I did think I was done because, you know, startups can be very exhausting and hard. And I'm so glad that I did. I mean, I really feel that the last five years, I started Baby Quip in 2016. So I guess it's mid-2016. So almost seven years. Oh my God, how did that happen? No, five years. <laughs> yes. Six years. Can't do the math today. <laughs> but um, we count log years for the past two years. So therefore, you get You kind of have to discount that. That's part of, that is exactly right. 2020 was kind of a stopout. So I'm so glad that I decided to do it at least one more time. I don't know if I want to do another one. I'll tell you now, but I've been advised never to say never. So what I feel that, I, first of all, I think there's a lot more to accomplish with BabyQuip. And second of all, I think I have a lot to give back. And I did enjoy the time when I was advising startup founders, especially women. So what surprises me about my startup journey and BabyQuip's my fifth, with Match.com being my first. First of all, Babyquip reminds me a lot of Match. 
both marketplaces, both very early stage, both very much about building trusted brands. But honestly, it's the fact that people are so grateful. They are. They tell us all the time that we save the vacation. They can't believe we're helping them. You know, they're sleeping better. They're having a better time. And of course, back in the mid-90s, it was a little bit more pitched how grateful people were to find another way to meet somebody special. It is funny because Match and then, you know, its descendants, to be broadly, completely changed the way a majority of new marriages are now. It's just such a change. And I was looking at Baby Corp because I have three kids, but mine are older now. If you had only started 10 years earlier, I would have been in heaven. <laughs> you can't start things that much earlier. You know, you have to find the right time. And it's funny because I left trustee in 2012, essentially. I was still on the board for a couple of years. And I bought a house in San Francisco, post-divorce, moved from Alameda to San Francisco, bought a house on Petrero Hill, up the street literally from Airbnb, okay? Like five blocks up, one block over. And so it was in the drinking water around 2012, right? And I started to rent rooms in my house in mid-2012. I had a three-story house. I had two nice rooms upstairs, kind of started as a lark. What would this be like? And needless to say, got tons of business, started to think about how, how to expand this, bought a house in Santa Fe, which is my hometown and where I'm coming to you today. And that got me thinking about the way people are traveling and the way people are working. And so, you know, in the early aughts, gig economy wasn't a thing. You know, you kind of have to go. Airbnb certainly wasn't a thing until, you know, 20, I don't know. Everybody started knowing it about it probably in 2012, you know, but not as, you know, certainly. I think it's the convergence of those kinds of trends. If you're an entrepreneur, you try and tie into the trends around you and see what the opportunities are. That being said, AJ, I almost started a online therapy company and they're doing very well. You know, there's all kinds of things over the years I've turned down or moved away from. But BabyQuip, also like you, I'm a parent and I remember, and as an Airbnb and VRBO host, I did not want to store that gear. It's just mm -hmm. too much. It's interesting because two things you kind of hit on and sort of both what I find the fun and the strength of being an entrepreneur is reading the trends, trying to understand them, and then being able to figure out when those moments are right. But that's also our weakness. FOMO and you know other things, really bright, shiny object or squirrel, whatever you want to get is something I know I deal with constantly. How has your ability to understand the trends and to understand when the moment is right changed over time? Well, I think probably the biggest difference in what I do now is I have the confidence about what I do now. Whereas certainly going back to the Bash.com days, we kind of got the timing right, but honestly, we got it wrong because we were way ahead of the time and we sold it for way too little, way too early. And sometimes being ahead of the curve is not always the best thing. So getting the timing just right doesn't mean just right to start it, but timing is everything and you got to kind of hit it right. And to some extent, you can't even control that. So you, you kind of read the tea leaves and figure it out. 
With Match, way back in 1995, I was working at AAA. A friend of mine from business school started a company called Electric Classifieds. He wanted somebody to lead up the proof of concept, which was going to be Match.com. And Match.com took off. The rest of the business didn't. So they sold Match way early to fund uh, Electric Classifieds. The problem was is that Match, and we sold it for less than $8 million, okay? It's worth billions and billions, right? And I didn't make any money off it. I mean, a little bit, but I mean, a couple hundred thousand is really how much, right? So the other lesson there was was really having the right focus and the right team. The Electric Classified story was to try to get newspaper personal, newspaper classifieds, not just personals, online and go after the newspapers and the legacy businesses. And Electric Classifieds, its board, its investors were all bought into that. They only saw Match in the paradigm of online newspaper personals of the time, which were fairly sleazy. So even though we reinvented online dating, which is way different than newspaper personals, the board of directors was not into it. It was also, we were so early, we didn't know how far ahead we were from other businesses. We had a successful subscription business, membership model, a social network, affiliate earnings, and viral marketing. And none of those terms had been really invented yet. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) As someone who's around in that early 90s, I remember so often things would come and you'd just be like, oh, this is cool. And now like, 25 plus years later, you're like, oh my fuck, you know, some of the things. And I remember, like, I do remember that I never really was a match, but there were a couple of online things ahead of that, but they were so clunky. They were almost like, even as the web was still early, it was still like you had to get into the bulletin board systems to get into some of these online datings. And then it was like you guys, and then a bunch of copycats, and then it got really weird. I guess after you guys sold or match was sold, and then of course the explosion of new creatures out there. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, we knew we knew we were onto something pretty early, though. We initially thought we would just be uh, launching in the San Francisco area. Before you know it, we're international. There were a lot of lot of things that were sort of strange. I had to prove that every ad paid out, and you would never do that in an early social media company. I think the things that differentiated Match are, are, you know, I like to take a lot of pride and credit for. Uh, One was we really focused on women and that made us think about what's important to women. And as a woman, I kind of had some insight into this. So our three brand words were safe, anonymous, and fun. And safety and anonymity then being really important. It's a little less important now, but the whole, we really invested in giving people advice about how to meet and monitoring the community and so on. Another way, and, and people laugh at this, but I'll do a speech to say, how many of you have done some online dating? A lot of hands go up. How many of you have ever had to put in your weight in pounds? And no hands go up. And uh, that's because of me, because I knew women didn't want that. And probably the more, most significant thing to business model and still active today is I think I mentioned before I went to match, I was at AAA of Northern California and I saw firsthand, and I was product manager for membership. I saw firsthand how powerful membership can be. And again, the, the proposal on the table 
was to charge people, you know, 10 cents per contact. And I knew that in a number of ways, membership was going to be more powerful and improve the overall community and give, give us more options to add value and cross-sell and upsell. And, and that's what we did. It was a fun time because we were not the lovely child of the company. I didn't get all the resources I wanted. And when they decided to sell it, I wasn't in support of that. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have enough confidence at the time to go out and get the investors myself and at least take it to the next level because within a year it was sold for uh, over $70 million. And needless to say, I didn't get anything of that. But hey, every day, almost every day, I meet somebody who met somebody on Match or online dating. Lots of people sometimes ask to take photos with me. It's kind of hilarious. So, My mom, it's funny because my parents got divorced a couple of years ago and because I... Yeah, you know, it was a little bit, you know, just different. Yeah, you know, it was like talking to some friends about this interview. Literally, it's like my mom hit that time perfectly. So a couple of years ago, she went online. Her very first date, she met this gentleman, and they've been together now for th- almost three years, two and a half, three years. I got, I should know. Um, sorry, Mark, I forget when you started dating my mom, but they met on Match, and it is funny. You know, one of the things I like about where online dating has gone is. Uh, There's some things I don't like, you know, but whatever. I mean, honestly, it makes sense that people are finding this way because you're able to sort people, not just by looks, but also maybe politics or religion. You know, I've heard that online dating has led to more inequality and polarization. So what what can you say in addition to love and happiness? But what was fun for us back then is and I think this is true now, is that people date a whole lot more. And I think that's probably good. I think, yeah. I mean, I've seen those studies and it's kind of it's kind of interesting. It's like unintended consequences. It is that like, wow, you started being able to meet people of closer interests versus who was sort of around. And that has changed, you know, the makeup of couples. And, you know, I think historical trends have kind of changed that too. But it is, it's an interesting concept. Even, and I'm, you know, I'm laughing at myself right now. I just realized Baby Quip seems to be the perfect coda to starting with Matt. And you've only heard I, that 10 million times. No, I, you know, I, I started a book. The book was Female Seeking Startup. So we were going to use, and who knows, I might write it yet, use the idea of online dating profile to sort of organize my lessons through through my entrepreneurial journey. But yes, it, I, I think the capstone is baby quip. Obviously, first comes marriage, then comes baby. That is a pretty good thing. It, it, t- it took 25 years, so <laughs> that's kind of crazy. 20 years, I guess. One of the interesting things, given, yes, Match wasn't the success it, you had hoped in. Oh, it was. It's just I didn't get anything out of it. Yeah. It wasn't success for you. <laughs> it wasn't a financial success for me. True, right. True. And well, that's, I think, the interesting thing is trusty. Sorry, I don't know the new name, but like that was huge. And Baby Quip is growing from strength to strength. You know, your experience in not almost because you had that experience, you know, do you feel that made you a better entrepreneur? Gosh, yes. I mean, I learned a lot of lessons from Match other businesses that I've done, I would say, you know, if I have a superpower, it's building trusted brands. 
And that's what I really care about is building trusted brands. And Match was one of the first companies to recognize that you really had to invest in trust and safety and things like that. Women.com, where I went to afterwards, was also very early in network community aimed at women and trust and safety and community were important aspects. That was important to Match.com as well. Then I did a little stint at BlueLight.com, which was Kmart and Yahoo, but we launched a free ISP. And again, that really you want to have good brand values with that as well. And then trustee is all about a trust mark for about privacy and a lot of investment there. Now, I got to do a do-over at trustee. Uh, so a big lesson that I learned at Match was, you know, I didn't go raise some money. I didn't ask for help. There wasn't support for, you know, I, I think honestly, had I been a guy, somebody would have said, why don't you take this to the next level yourself? I think if I had shown vulnerability and asked for help, somebody would have said, why don't you do that? I might have listened and done it. But by the time I got to trustee, which was a nonprofit at the time in 2001, I quickly realized that to really compete and to solve the problems, have the impact on privacy and social media, privacy and mobile, privacy and ad tracking and all these other things, we really need to be needed to be more technology enabled and, and really scale. And this time I did raise money. And I turned it from a nonprofit to a for-profit. With that, I got the ownership stake that that I thought I, I needed to have. And so, it, you know, you don't always get to do a do-over. And I'm really happy I was able to do that. In talking about the do-over, what has had the biggest impact on your ability to be an entrepreneur has helped you the most? Well, clearly, it helps to have a success. Yes. So despite, <laughs> success, despite yes. the fact that I didn't make a lot of money off match, it certainly is a highlight of my resume, you know, and I, I can talk to that. So it helps that. I think the next two were, you know, women.com IPO'd, but that was, for, that was shortly followed by the dot-com crash. Uh, Blue Light kind of imploded with the same dot-com crash and, and all of that. And honestly, when I went over to trustee as a nonprofit, I didn't think I'd be there that many years. I thought it would be a bridge to something else. And I think spending, you know, I was there almost 10 years running the place. I think that gave me some really good CEO chops and learning. It all accrues. Biggest lessons are you know, try to be bold, try and see what's going on, see how you can tap into it. I think I have a penchant for business development. Early on at Match, making partnerships was really important. Same at women.com, very important at trustee, you know, or trust arc as it's called now, to partner with uh, industry and government groups to come up with better standards, better ways, better technology, better ways at looking at things. And now at BabyQuip, we want to partner with vacation rental companies. We want to partner with hospitality brands, technology in travel, all these kinds of companies because we're solving a problem. And the best way or one of the best ways to build a big boat is to have good partnerships. So super excited. We did one with VRBO that launched in December where hosts were invited to become 
Babyquip affiliates. And with that, they could cross market Babyquip to their guests. They're happy because they don't have to have all that gear. They'll potentially get a little bit of a revenue share. But more than that, they'll have happy guests who will leave them a better review. It's so funny. Yeah. In talking about that, I invested and I was an advisor to a startup and I want to say 2010, that was basically a sharing thing and cameras and baby equipment were their two biggest categories. And there was so much, you know, so much issues, but like the model really was like, oh, we're going to go do this and we're going to do this. And they pivoted 5,000 times out of it. It just, they couldn't figure out that marketplace equation. And I love that you in focusing on the baby and then focusing on like the VRB, that, that just makes so much more sense to have that, to kind of seed that like, oh yeah, we do need baby equipment. And yeah, we don't want to carry it because it sucks. <laughs> right. So, so it was kind of funny. The way it came about was, as I mentioned earlier, I was an Airbnb host and I was looking at what are the businesses that are growing up around this new way of working, new way of traveling, the sharing economy, peer economy, and so on. And, you know, this is probably 2014, 15. I was seeing a lot of property management companies and cleaning companies come out. But when I met the gal who was here in Santa Fe and had started sort of the model, the peer-to-peer model on baby gear, nobody else was looking at it. And I even get asked sometimes by investors, how come nobody else did this before? And I look at them, I say, well, no guys with hoodies. We're looking at this market, you know, and and I'm trying not to be snarky, but, you know, it kind of took a woman's perspective to see it. Now, when I met the entrepreneur who who started it and, and she left the company in 2017 and no problems there, it happens, you know, you form a company with somebody, but I think that peer-to-peer model was really a good way to look at it. And when she told me what she was doing in our first meeting, I said, I should be your CEO. I mean, she was coming in from Santa Fe. What I could bring to this was not just experience, but connections to people who could invest in the company, credibility, and just kind of, honestly, my experience in being a student of Airbnb really kind of helped too, you know? So I think I brought a lot of, lot of just good experience. And, and again, I'd say I brought the confidence of saying to myself, I think I can make this happen. You know, it was, it was completely in my wheelhouse to make this happen. Yeah. And that's what's so cool when you find that right ability to kind of push it to that next level. Yeah. I would have told you in 2019, actually, somebody asked me, what do you really fear the most? And I was like, well, a recession that hits travel would really, really be tough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those never happen. (laughs) Just if you're going to open that, how has COVID? I could see, you know, and the US is such a weird, because I'm in Spain right now, and travel is completely a different beast than it is in the US, just how the numbers are and everything. Really, what has been happening during COVID for you? Well, you know, it was an interesting time. On March 6th, my son and I and Joe is our CTO. He he joined the company when Carrie left. So one of the things I love about Babyquip is I work with my my son and uh, he's totally rewritten the platform. And let me tell you, that back end is more complicated than 
Airbnbs. I mean, just think of all the gear and packages, the pricing, the inventory, and the whole bit. In any case, on March 6th, our Shark Tank episode airs, March 6th, 2020. So we've got everybody, you know, all of our quality providers. These are the people who deliver the gear and so on uh, and own the gear. Everybody's just primed. I have a party at my house. But as that day unfolds, people are canceling. The news is coming in. There's rumors that California is going to shut down. Okay. So, you know, I have this party at my house. And that's the last party I had for or get together for like almost two years. Right. That's what we're looking at right now. And uh, so it was rough. So the next, you know, we got tons of, of traffic visiting. But the next day, Orders started canceling, canceling, canceling. The new orders weren't coming in. And usually March is a pretty good month because of spring break, Easter timing, and, and other holidays. So, I mean, we crashed so fast. It was unbelievable. Good news, though, I had money in the bank. I had just finished a round with Seed Invest. And I had a new investor that was going to come in at the end of the month. And they did come in. They stuck by us. So that was fantastic. And then, surprise, surprise, we get the PPP loans and some of the other government support. We cut back marketing. I still hired one person I was intending to hire, but, you know, sort of cut the, cut the hiring, took a bit of a pay cut. We all retrenched. But during that time, we really invested in our platform. We start to th- see things come back a little bit in the summer and then a little bit in November, December of last year, but pretty pretty bad year, okay? Down 40% from the year before. But other travel companies, I think, even went down more than that, right? We bought a cleaning business so, so our quality providers could clean the car seats and strollers for local families, not for traveling families, so that they had another thing. We did a little bit of delivery business, We tried a bunch of things. Some stuck, some didn't. We kept up our social media starting in about February of last year, of 2021. Between January and July, we grew 10 times. In July of 2021, we did almost $900,000 on the platform, almost 5,000 orders. Whereas in January, we did like $90,000 worth of business. I mean, so 10 times. And that's fun too. I mean, that's more fun. But that puts <laughs> challenges. You know, you have to be able to scale it. And fortunately, we did. And then, you know, we ended the year of 2021 just about two times 2019. So let's forget about 2020. Where were we in 2019? Two times that much in 2021. And I think we're on pace to, to double again. So talking to people, Like one of my investors, Teresa Gao from Accrue Ventures, and she's been doing startups for years and years and years, said something to the fact that companies that come out of deep down turns, that come out of them strong, typically dominate the market going forward. You learn how to make it happen versus ride a wave. I laugh, you know, we talked about the dot-com crash, but I remember going in, I had been at some digital agency. We had actually pitched women.com, I remember back in the day. And 99, I thought I was such an amazing salesperson. And then late 2000 and then 2001 hit, and I realized I was really somewhere in going, do you want fries with that? That would be $1 million as extra. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you had $20 million in revenue and you were going public, 
Mm-hmm. That was not from my career. I mean, the dot com bus was probably harder for me than the two thousand eight, and then the the pandemic is part of me just likes to watch it. it not likes to watch it, but you know, it, it's just interesting. What I do know is that family and leisure travel are going to come back probably far faster and harder than business travel. So I think we're critical to companies who want to take advantage of that. Yeah. I mean, your market has to be 90, I'm going to make an assumption, 90 plus percent family. I mean, you may have a teeny sliver of business travel just because people are traveling with their kids no matter what. But yeah, you're primed as this returns. I can't wait to see that happen. Um, (laughs) I think we all can't wait. And one of the things is that we were talking a little bit earlier about getting the model right, you know, and and timing. And in addition to the rise of vacation rentals and this new way of people working, millennial parents are so much more about having experiences. They're very comfortable with renting gear, renting things, not necessarily owning them. They really want to travel. They're comfortable with gig economy, but they do want that specialization. So I think we're probably doing as well just renting baby gear as other rental companies doing all kinds of gear might be doing. Because, you know, these parents, they still want to know that everything's going to be clean and that it's safe and that there's insurance and that the people who are delivering it and own it and picking it up and setting it up are accountable. And that's what we got right. It's funny, just in listening to you break it down, I really wish I had thought of some of this when I made this investment in this peer-to-peer sharing company, and then they tried to do it you know, their own. It really is interesting just that by focusing, you build an audience because that's what they think about versus people don't think about the concept of, let me get that a little bit, let me get that a little bit. They think, oh, I need baby gear or I need X, or I need Y. So yeah, that is <laughs> hindsight. I'm you know kicking myself, but I love that, that idea of that focus because then you can build. The other part of the market are the quality providers. And these are mostly moms. And it's not just renting what they already have. They are really building a business on our platform. So a stat for you is 50% of them own three or more cribs. Okay, so they're investing in inventory. They invest in social media. They constantly are coming up with new, you know, if you go to Florida, our quality providers are renting beach umbrellas and chairs and everything that you need, everything you need for that. So the big, big part of what I'm proud of is that we've got these 900 entrepreneurs. I would love to see how that grows because I've seen some interesting businesses. Uh, you know, spoken with entrepreneurs who are building platforms that deliver a service, but it's really about their ability to bring in other people to deliver either the product, the service, the provider. And that is such an interesting thing because, you know, we were talking about gig workers changing that. It's such a great concept, but it ran itself to the negative direction too easy. So finding ways to switch it to change up and provide opportunity and benefits in a better way. That's really cool. Yeah, we're trying to bring that message out to legislators and regulators that 
we have a private community called Mastermind, and it has all our quality providers are in there. It's a Facebook community. And they share good reviews, deals on gear, questions about how to handle a customer situation. They take pictures of how they pack their car. They show the before and after of, of cleaning a, a car seat. So it's really active. And I think it's a really critical part of what they get out of Babyquip. But I was in the community and one of our providers was celebrating her third year with Babyquip. And we celebrate things like that. Hey, third year. And she shared that three years ago, they weren't making ends meet as a family. She was really thinking about going to work full time but have three small little ones, really want to stay home. Her friends discourage her from joining Babyquip. I don't know why, but she said, I'm going to go ahead and do this. And she thanked us for it making such a big difference in her life. That kind of story just really makes me, you know, so proud of what we're doing. I always find it that you know you're doing well when other people are doing well with what you do. Yeah, that kind of impact really makes a difference. And so, so you know, I talked a little bit about my commitment to building trusted brands. There's also a commitment to having some impact. How now, given, you know, the growth, you have an iconic startup, you have a very important, you know, startup in the middle of sort of still some of the core issues of this day. Now you have a business that's going from strength to strength and entering into you know, that lovely, beautiful rocket ships phase. How do you go about, not with the businesses, but how do you look at success for yourself in these processes? What is success to you? I did this bingo card called My Entrepreneurial Journey. And I put all kinds in there, things, you know, and it includes the good stuff, like, you know, with a company that IPO'd, selling a company, appearing on Shark Tank, but also getting, you know, pushed aside for another person to run the company, which happened to be at, at Trust Arc, and which was okay. This, it is part of the entrepreneurial journey, you know, breaking up with your co-founder is part of an entre- entrepreneurial journey. So, you know, I think the journey is pretty much a big part of the reward of it, just intrinsically of itself. I think that probably looking back, that impact thing, I think it was in the early aughts, my now 28-year-old son was teenager, Valentine's Day. And we were watching TV and he was there with a friend. And a Match.com commercial comes on. And my son says to his friend, well, mom's going to get all pissed off because <laughs> she let that one go. And then he looked at me, he goes, but mom, you know, this, you know, it's happening pretty much because of you. And it's like, okay, all right, I'll take that. From, from your skeptical teenage, teenage kid. So yeah, no, I, I feel like I've had a very rich journey and the ability to impact people's lives in positive ways with dating and love and maybe better privacy. And now, you know, there, it's really great for people to have a great vacation, a better vacation. That, that's a good thing. And to create all these entrepreneurs is a great thing. So I think, I think for me, it's trusted brands impact. And just enjoying the journey overall. That's a great way to go about measuring your success because you have created trusted, trusted brands. You are, you know, and obviously you're enjoying this, which is really cool. So no, I thank you. 
Thank you so much for sharing. There are times, I'll be honest with you, that I feel like had I had a little bit more support earlier in my career, I probably could have done even more. We all do. I mean, this is what I think in talking to so many entrepreneurs, I think that now there always are some who, who have hit it off. I love massacring metaphors and getting them completely wrong, but there are some who have that initial success. And as someone who is very much up, down, up, down, and you know, I call myself a journeyman because I have low seven-figure exits, I think it's, for me, the most interesting people are like yourself that took early success, but the success they had was not the success they wanted. And sometimes that success is more about the concept it was possible. They were able to turn nothing into something and then started seeing the possibility, but for whatever reason, didn't quite do it. They maybe exited or whatever too early, like you said, or had the choice taken away from them that then led them to to go to that next step and to look and to work on their skills as an entrepreneur, even though I don't think they were thinking of that. And then that creation, you know, to hear where it's like, yes, it could have been world changing. You could have been, you know, telling Zuckerberg what to do, but you sat and you now have created yet another cool company that is growing. You know, that's amazing. So many of us don't get, you know, that's why I find so cool. It's like, yeah, we beat ourselves up, but you're doing amazing. This is so cool. It is a lot of fun. I think by the time I got to Babyquip too, I, you know, I had the resources not to have to take a full-time job, not to have to get a, a healthy pay cap. Frankly, I was making most of my money early in Babyquip's days on renting my houses on Airbnb. So, but, you know, I'll tell you the truth. When I, when I started to do the Airbnb thing, I didn't tell people about it because I was afraid they'd think I'm like those old women in English novels who, you know, has to rent, bring in borders to pay the bills, which was not necessarily the image I was going for, you know. And then, of course, it became, you know, just like standard fare. What do you do when you have a house in San Francisco? You rent it. <laughs> I think the other question, the other thing that's in there is you, you got to know your risk profile. So have you found your risk profile? I mean, obviously, you referenced you had money, you know, you had more money to be able to take on these risks. You know, has that changed as you've gone along on this journey? Yeah. I mean, when I did Mash.com, I left a pretty good job. And my now ex-husband was not too happy about it. And that was a source of the tension, certainly in our marriage, was my risk profile versus his. And ultimately, I think we had a successful marriage in raising two sons and all of that. But that does take a toll I made some choices that sometimes didn't look like the best choices. And sometimes they didn't turn out as good as I had hoped they would turn out. Like, you know, women.com IPO'd for a little while there. I had low seven-figure payout. But then the six months later, we're in the dot-com bust and I've got a tax bill. That did not help. But I think as I got more experience, made a little bit of more money along the way, I was able to trust my instincts more. and. To me, risk is not a big deal. It, to me, not taking a risk is a bigger risk than taking the risk, right? And if I look at, you know, buying that house in San Francisco, people thought I was crazy. San Francisco market being what it is turned out real well for me. Starting baby quip, I really didn't have anything to lose at that point, which is an enviable place to be. 
You know, I, I could forgo the income oh. and all that for a while. And, and that's a lucky place to be. That is, you're right. That gives you the opportunity to take on that risk. And that is really cool. So other than telling everyone in the audience and everyone go to BabyQuip, how else can they engage with you? Should they find you on Twitter, Instagram? They can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Fran Meyer. I'm pretty easy to find. It's fun for me when I do some online dating. I have absolutely no anonymity. (laughs) (laughs) oh no you're going to criticize my profile i bet you (laughs) (laughs) you know it's kind of crazy i do like to engage with female entrepreneurs uh, especially because god knows there's so much support for them now compared to years ago but i'm always trying to say hey you know take on the markets that you know you know family and fashion and and women's health and all these other things better than male entrepreneurs. Go after it, do it, get it done. I really enjoyed talking with Fran today. She has had such an amazing entrepreneurial journey from being part of the team that created such an iconic business to you know, being so involved in trustee and trust act and now into BabyQuip, which to me is looking like a truly, <laughs> yeah, some a company I wish I had been around ten plus years ago. Well, a little more than ten now. When my my kids were younger, such a cool company. As we look at our own entrepreneurial journeys, I've said again and again, we get so caught up in each of our individual businesses. And as Fran even get into, it's hard sometimes to kind of move from you know the idea that even if a business is successful you may not be successful in your own efforts around it or may not do as much as you think. Well, I think what she has done and her ability to kind of keep moving along and starting more companies and being involved in so many cool things shows it's just like this is not a one-stop game we're involved in. This is our ability to not just grow individual businesses, but grow our ability to be entrepreneurs, to create things we think are needed in the marketplace. So please go check out Fran. You know, go check out BabyQuip. Go check out Fran's background on LinkedIn. Go reach out to her. She's doing some pretty amazing things. We'll have everything in the show notes, but this is just a lot for us to learn from. And as always, please go to beyond8figures.com, sign up for a newsletter. This way, when we have new entrepreneurs on the show, you'll be hearing about it. You'll be hearing about a lot of the other things we're doing with other entrepreneurs. And just let us know what you would like to hear from us. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We'll have more episodes soon. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. This episode of Beyond Eight Figures is over, but your journey as an entrepreneur continues. So if we can help you with anything, please just let us know. And if you like this episode, please share it with someone who might learn from it. Until next time, keep growing and find the joy in your journey. This is AJ, and I'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye.